Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous 7 a.m. A Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Amy G and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Today's date is Wednesday, September 23rd, 2020. And today we are reading from the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We are on page seven, the third paragraph, starting with, but it was not, unpacking one paragraph only. Today's readers are, and thank you for your service, Team Wednesday, Leon B., Leslie W., Reva P., Alicia N., Esther F., and our newcomer reader, Tanya G., and our host for the second unrecorded hour, Nancy P., the reference numbers for yesterday, Tuesday, September 22nd, the 7 a.m. meeting is 15,408. That's 15408. And for the 10 a.m. meeting is 15,410. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask for Alicia N. to read the 12 steps. Go ahead, Alicia. Good morning. I'm Alicia N., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Virginia Beach today. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, um, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11, thought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters 
and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. Thank you so much, Alicia. I am now asked, I will now ask for Esther F. to read the 12 conditions. You're up, Esther. Thank you. Good morning. It's Esther F., a recover compulsive overeater from Cleveland, Ohio. The 12 traditions. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may, uh, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you for letting me do service, and I pass. Thank you so much, Esther. Okay, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. If you go over, you'll hear me say time. Singleness of purpose reminds us to please identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. Again, there's no absence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute your phone. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone again. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today we resume our study in the big book. We are on page seven, the third paragraph, and I'm going to ask Leon B. to get us started. Go ahead, Leon. Good morning. This is Leon B. Gratefully recovered from Simpsonville, South Carolina. But it was not, for the frightful day came when I drank once more. The curve of my declining moral and bodily health fell off like a ski jump. After a time, I returned to the hospital. This was the finish, the curtain, it seemed to me. My worry and despairing wife was informed that it would all end with heart failure during delirium tremens, or I would develop a wet brain, perhaps within a year. 
she would soon have to give me over to the undertaker or the asylum. You know, I, the the part that sticks out to me is the curve of my declining moral and bodily health fell off like a ski jump. You know, I know about this moral and bodily health declining and falling off. I think that's just a that's such a great illustration of this disease. Um, I went skiing for the first time this year, and um, and unrecovered, I would be cruising, you know, along this slope of controlled eating and binges were somewhat controlled and far and few between and and you think you have this eating and this you know this weight thing licked you know and like bill i i had this self knowledge you know I, I knew of a diet and i had an, an exercise behaviors that was keeping me thin or thin ish but then that frightful day that horrible awful day would always come you know, and it wouldn't take much. It was a car accident. It's Friday. You know, my work is done. I'm working a half a day. Well, I'm working a half a day, and it's Friday, and I have the house to myself, and and I would have four hours where I could just binge out in front of the television and eat all that I could. And when these binges would come back, and and the the eating would just get worse, and the weight would come on so quickly and that's what i think about when it says my bodily health fell off it was how quickly the weight would come back on during these binging episodes and i did feel like this was the finish the curtain it seemed to me you know and at times or the very last time i said i'm this is it you know i'm i'm going to have to have this surgery you know i felt like sewing up my stomach was going to be the answer and the lap band was going to be my solution you know, but deep down inside, I knew that I would I would eat right through it. You know, and Bill's story gets it gets worse from here, and my story was worse. For I knew that things were not going to get better for me, but I and I became beat down by this disease. And and we'll we'll read further on. Someone brought to me the simple idea and this practical program of action. You know, it was told to me by someone, someone like Abby, a miracle, you know, but it didn't sit right across the kitchen table. This miracle came to me through the phone, you know, and I heard this man's story and it was my story. And I heard what sounded like a man that was healed. And I know that this person now was recovered. And he was saying, um, there is a saying in these 12 step rooms, you know, don't leave before the miracle happens. You got to stay on this line, you know, don't hang up, stay on these Zoom meetings. You know, you're going to see or you're going to hear or you're you're going to feel something and 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 the and what it's going to be is going to be this power the power is the miracle the power that's greater than you that can solve your problem and that can restore you to sanity and i've asked with that thank you so much leon okay we're going to take some names now but if you have shared uh on monday and tuesday we ask if you could please uh refrain so we could hear others experience strength and hope so who would like to share please go ahead names rowanna teresa p elena c p elena c I think I missed someone after Roanne. Who was that? Janet B. Janet B. 
Surrey okay. C. Surrey C. Anyone else? Okay. I've got Roanne M, Teresa P, Elena C, Janet B, and Surrey C. Go ahead, Roanne, you're up. Hi, good morning. This is Roanne M. I'm calling from New York. I love this paragraph because it really portrays an amazing picture of the progressiveness of this disease. And it does happen very, very quickly. The frightful day came when I drank once more. There have been so many times, infinite times, when I have had diets, when I've been on a diet, and I was like, I got this. I'm doing great. I'm losing weight. I'm happy, da da da, da. But inside, I was still crazy. I didn't have a spiritual awakening. So then, you know, it's not sustainable. The diets are not sustainable. If they were... I don't think a lot of people would be in OA. The frightful day came when I drank once more, and then I drink again, I eat again, and then I hate myself. And then it's just falling off like a ski jump. It's so drastic, the decline, the downward spiral, the self-pity, the self-hatred, the hopelessness, the feeling of wanting to die is so intense when I'm in the food returning to the hospital this was the finish it's like i got i got to a point where i was like i'm done like i'm gonna die i'm killing myself with food and then i i have people around me that are like what are you doing what are you doing you have to stop or you're going to die i've had so many people loving people in my life beg me Stop eating, stop using. And no one, no one could stop me. No power of this earth, no human power can make me stop doing something, unfortunately. My weary and despairing wife was informed that it would all end with heart failure during delirium tremens. I would develop a wet brain. Having a wet brain, you're basically a vegetable. You are technically alive but inside you're basically your brain is dead and so that's how I am when I'm on when I'm using food I'm a zombie I'm the walking dead there's I'm basically a vegetable because I'm technically alive but I'm not living I'm not living when I'm in this disease she would soon have to give me over to the undertaker or the asylum He's basically accepting that he's going to die from this disease. He's like, there's no way out. He feels like there's no way out. And I have felt that way so many times. And that is why I have to hear people who are real addicts, food addicts, bathtub gin addicts, talk about their return. And I'll just say I'm very grateful for this meeting. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you. Teresa P., your turn. Thank you. Hi, I'm Teresa P., a recovered, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. And uh, there it is. I drank once more. But for, for me, of course, it was always I ate once more. And, you know, I started the dieting and I 
try so hard. I remember as a little kid reading in the little magazines and and planning out the diet, reading the stories and say, oh, I can do this and try it. And, you know, throughout my, my uh, dieting torture path, you know, I had various uh, amounts of success, you know, a couple hours, a couple of days, a couple of weeks, six months. I've lost over uh, 60 pounds, and, you know, I felt such power. There it was. I was right. I was in control, and I could do this. I mean, I could put it down. I was actually on uh, one of them. I can remember I was going through Christmas and not getting into stuff and, you know, baking the cookies, and I didn't touch it. I was like, wow, I got it. This is great. I can just do this. But then it always happened. Every single time, the frightful day came. And I remember on that particular uh, um, diet that I was on, as I was laying on the couch, relaxing. I'm like, you know, I have kids. But I was reading a Nancy Drew book because I loved Nancy Drew. (laughs) And the idea came to me, oh, let's just have some cinnamon toast Uh, or, or whatever it was. So I go have some and then. Of course, I couldn't stop at one, and then it was another, and then it was another, and then it was another, and and I lost all, I lost all the energy that I had, and all the weight came back. I mean, I was, I was able to do things, and you know, of course, back to, you know, the weight comes back so fast, so easily. I mean, it's just terrible that that, that I like this ski jump, man. Wham! goes from you know, on the cloud to bam, I'm back in hell. And, you know, it, and I knew I was doomed. I didn't know what to do about it. I mean, I prayed. I, you know, I tried all this stuff. And none of it worked. I mean, I'd have sold the kids, you know, not because I wanted to, but because I was, you know, I was a slave. And, you know, and then I got into, and then I, I, I heard about program and I, and I got into program, and and I was just realizing, you know, being at this meeting that, you know, God blessed me so. It was 25 years ago, and God blessed me so. You know, I didn't do it perfectly, but I did come. Thank you. I did. I did share. I did the best I could, and no matter, always fell apart, and I just kept coming back and didn't see it all. But uh, God was there. And that's what I needed. OA connected me up with God. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Teresa. Okay, Elena. Hi, good morning. Can you hear me? I can. My name is Elena C., and I'm a gratefully recovered compulsive overeater from Greenville, South Carolina. And I was um, struck by the other, the um, phrase right before the this paragraph. Surely this was the answer, self-knowledge. So still really believe that if he discovers self-knowledge a little here and there about alcoholism, it was um, he was cured. He was great. And he went over there and he made a little bit of money and um, you know, life seemed to be going well. And sure enough, until one day, until he drank again, and this time, the progressive disease, the the decline was 
very, very bad. And, and uh, to his wife being um, told that he might have a wet brain, and that's a really bad thing to to have. Like somebody else says, you're a vegetable, you know. And I, and so it's another like reminder that we cannot do it on ourselves that the self knowledge only like in other words learning here and there about diets that i did i i surely did that learn about how this you know um nutrient affects my body and it's not enough it is not enough but it's it's a, a necessary it's it is important that we have a transfer a transformation, a psychic and spiritual transformation, to keep us into into the 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 treatment, the treatment of this disease. And for me, you know, the progression of my disease was clear when I was little. Here and there, you could tell I was a compulsive overeater, but not not for the most part. And then it came a day, interesting enough, and when um, somebody gave me a box of chocolates, and there were a lot of chocolates. And it was right after the death of my sister at the age of 16. And I ate it all. I ate it all until I almost vomited. Um, I was nauseated, you know, and that was just like a very alarm. And actually, they made fun. They made fun of me that I did that. And um, I didn't think any of it. And then I would eat with my mom over some fudge he was, she was making just to have the connection with her. So as, as I was growing, um, I was eating over chocolates a lot. And after pregnancy and having a baby, then that's when my disease really took over. And I went on diet after diet. And I couldn't survive um, until I I came to you guys. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you so much, Elena. Janet B., to your spot. Please go ahead. Hi, I'm Janet B., recovered from compulsive eating and bulimia in New Jersey. So in the paragraph before this, um, we see a couple things that didn't work, right? We see that. Bill had a desire, and that didn't work. And then he had some self-knowledge, and that didn't work. And then in this paragraph, I think we see that he's got some fear, right? He knew um, heart failure, delirium tremens, and wet brain within 12 months or in his future. And that still didn't work. Fear didn't work either. And... This was really kind of a newsflash to me at some point. Um, this was years ago. I was at an OA convention, and there was a woman there who was diabetic, and she told me she'd been told, if you don't lose weight, it's going to, you know, it's going to affect your eyes and your kidneys. And when I met her, she had a seeing eye dog because she was blind, and she was um, on dialysis. It didn't do it for her, and it didn't do it for me. The fear of getting fat didn't do it for me. And now um, I realize, well, of course it doesn't, because fear can never be a motivator. On page 67, it tells us that fear is evil. Well, if something is evil, it's sure not from God. 
So to expect fear to motivate me would be like expecting, I don't know, if I had a cold to inject me with pneumonia germs, that that would make my cold get better. Of course it wouldn't. If fear is evil, fear is the opposite of God. So then I need what's the opposite of fear, and that's faith. And that is how we get into recovery. Our book tells us that lack of power is our dilemma. So accessing the power of God has to be my solution. And how do I do it? I start with faith. I start by believing that God can restore me to sanity and follow it up with surrender because I trust in this God and then just clear away what's blocking me. So again, this is really important for me to realize because I went through all these phases, desire will do it if I want it badly enough, if I understand it enough and understand myself enough, or if I'm afraid enough, and none of that worked. The only thing that worked was when I had faith that God could restore me to sanity and took the actions that backed up that faith. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Janet. Suri, see, it's your turn. Please go ahead. Um, hi. Wow, I didn't realize it come up so fast, but um, what brain? Um, that's the part that stuck with me today because I know that when I eat my um, – Sorry, uh, sorry, sorry, see, compulsive overeater um, from Connecticut. Um, when I eat my non, my non, my alcoholic food, that's what I develop. I develop a wet brain, and I think that I am lost. But yeah, fear is my enemy. But it's also something natural. Natural without fear, I wouldn't know to stay away. I just need to quantify what that fear is not about self-knowledge though. It's about recognizing that fear is going to keep me company just like God is, but I have to choose God daily. I have to choose faith daily, continuously, minute by minute. And I'm not recovered, but I have more moments of recovery now than I had before because this is not a food program. This is a spiritual program of recovery. I am sick bodily and mentally. There's no question. But every but this group, this fellowship on this line, on, in any group, I have fear of having a heart of stone, but I have fear of having a heart of flesh because a heart of flesh hurts. And every day I look at my daughter's snack box, her box of snacks, and every day, even though I'm not personally recovered and I don't want to talk about the food that I ate last night, I haven't touched that box. And I have to... I have to be proud of every moment, every personal face, um, thing that I can look at and say, that is my recovered self. And because if I go down, morbid reflection is going to get me. If I start facing that fear of I'm never going to come out the other end, then I'm, I just might as well just do myself to a wet brain. But I'm, I'm choosing today to have minutes and moments of recovery. Because with this group, with this fellowship, with faith, with God, I know I will have more and more of that every day. I just have to keep trudging this path with people who have my heart and who are the safest people to hold it hand in hand. With that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sunny. 
Okay, so just a reminder, we are on page seven, the third paragraph, starting with, but it was not, unpacking that one paragraph only. Who else would like to share what was read? If you haven't shared on Monday and Tuesday, please give me your name. Melissa C. Devorah S. Devorah S. Devorah S. I got you. Thank you. I'm sorry. I missed those two names. What were they? Rob? Ron G. Ron G. Okay. And who was the other person, please? Ivana K. Ivana. Ivana K. Anyone else? Okay, we have Melissa Kelly C. G. Okay, well, Kelly, I'll add you on in there. No problema. Okay, Melissa C, Devora S, Ron G, Ivana K, and Kelly G. Melissa, you're up. Please go ahead. But it was not for that. Hey, thanks so much for your service. Good morning. It's Melissa C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I live in New York. And um, yeah, when I read this, you know, that frightful day, like for me, food returned with a vengeance. I had um, periods of abstinence, periods of food sobriety, um, and then the frightful day always returned. And, you know, for me, it, my weight exploded um, and my body ached all the time, like that physical um, jump. Um, and I began, you know, I began to live in ways that were not aligned with my own moral code, that like declining morals. Um, I, you know, my own values were outside of my power to live in agreement with. Mm-hmm. I couldn't eat the way I knew I needed to, and I wasn't behaving the way I knew I was meant to be behaving. I wasn't living um, the life that I believed in, that, you know, I, I just couldn't do what I needed to do, I did things that filled me with shame and remorse all the time, um, you know, stealing, right? I, I would steal food, um, hiding, like, you know, spending time in, um, in a car, in a parking lot when life was like right there. Um, and And then fantasizing about another reality where I was living in agreement with who I really was inside or who I was meant to be. You know, I withdrew from social engagements, uh, social obligations, and I didn't want to be that woman. You know, I I had a very loving heart, and I couldn't apply my loving heart because um, I was owned by food. You know, one of my most painful um, experiences that I have to keep close in my brain is that I missed a dear friend's funeral because I had been binging so much that I put on so much weight in a really short amount of time that I was so full of shame. I didn't want her family to see me. And I was completely, I mean, that's talk about being lack of morals, self-decline, totally thinking of me. And yeah, my doctor told me, I, you're not going to survive your 40s. Your, your weight just keeps increasing. Your numbers are dangerous. Um, and I, you know, and I was terrified, but I ate on the way home, you know, because fear did not do the trick for me. When I am living in fear, I am completely lacking faith, and I'm certain I need to do 
something. I need to do something to fix me, and I can't. And that's what it means to be powerless, and we only learn that from our own experiences. Um, thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa. Okay, Devorah. Devorah, you are up. Thank you, Amy, and thank you, everyone on this line who makes this meeting possible. My name is Devorah S., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from New Jersey. Good morning. That frightful day came when I drank once more. That day was every day for me. Every day I was filled with, you know, fear. Um, honestly, I was, uh, I was, sometimes I was afraid to go to sleep at night because wondering if I could wake up in the morning, if I'll wake up in the morning, because that's how much I ate and I binged and I could hardly breathe, um, you know, weighing close to 300 pounds, and it was scary. It was scary. The doctors told me, what are you doing to yourself? You know, the high blood pressure, the diabetes. I was a young mother with little children, and yet I was killing myself with the food. And I was so, and I didn't know I was so full of fear. I didn't know the fear of 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 living <clears throat> was was what can I say terrifying. Um, but all I knew is that I just couldn't stop eating, and I had to have it. Um, and I didn't care. Um, my mother even took me on vacation. You know, we talk about the dreadful, the wearing and despairing wife. What about my mother who took me and uh, you know when I was a young girl, and and she she said, you know, I'm concerned about you. I'm concerned, you know, what are we going to do? What's going to be the, what are we going to do here? And I didn't know. I, I just didn't know. I looked at her and I, I just, I don't know. Um, and, you know, and I had to get, you know, I got to a point, you know, coming into this room, you know, we talk about crawling into these rooms with tombstones in our eyes. That's what it was for me, you know. I had to be so desperate. I always say that, you know, um, if my sponsor would have told me what, you know, if I would have said to my sponsor, what do I need to eat? And if she would have said, hey, I would have said, where do I buy it? That's how desperate I was, you know, like, just tell me what I need to do. Um, so, you know, and that's, I have to keep that desperation every single day, you know, every day that I work this program, you know, thank God the food is down, the obsession has been lifted. And, I, and, and I've, you know, given, uh, you know, every day I have a daily reprieve, but I need to work on that each day you know, getting close to God, because this all comes, my recovery comes from God, nowhere else. And I need to keep that connection strong each day. So what I did yesterday is not enough for today. I have to keep working and building my relationship and and growing in this program. Um, And I don't have to live in fear anymore. Thank you, God. I don't don't have that frightful day anymore when I wake up in the morning. I run into action. I'm, I'm so grateful for another day what I can see how I can seek God's will and be there for others. What a miracle that is. And it, and it all comes from just submitting, surrendering, like someone says. Like just surrender and being willing to, be, to, 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 to do this thing, to, to, to live another day with God without the food. Um, and with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Devorah. All right, Ron G., it's your turn. Hi, Ron G., uh, grateful recovering compulsive low reader from Daytona Beach. I've been trying to share once a week uh, just to get in the process of doing that. Um, love this meeting and really identified with the sharing on uh, the wet brain and the, and the reading on the wet brain. 
you know, I, I'm a little, um, I'm close to eight months abstinent at this point, and I'm just now starting to see how seriously mentally impaired I was as a result of the eating and the, uh, the underlying problem of uh, extreme self-centeredness. Um, uh, it, and as far as self-knowledge goes from the previous paragraph, I mean, I, I, I worked in field of addiction recovery, if anybody should have had knowledge of how to recover, but it was useless to me. It was absolutely useless to me. Um, and I, I had, I had uh, abstinence years ago, uh, long term, several years, and uh, um, I remember thinking before I went out, I could just jump back in. Nine years later, I couldn't jump back in. It took that long for me to realize that I was I was powerless, and that my dilemma again was lack of power. And 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 when I came to that point, God was gracious enough to give me another opportunity to uh, get into the absent life—not only the physical absence, but the, the spiritual, um, which is is equally, if not more, important. Um, and, and and most of my days today, the first six and a half months were horrible. Um, they got a little bit better each day, um, but today, for the most part, I'm happy, joyous, and free, which is uh, amazing to me. Um, and, and my my mental ability, my my uh, response to things that uh, challenge me is is so much different today. Uh, I'm not intimidated by uh, uh, something I need to learn. I used to say I had to be really spiritually fit to learn new technology. New technology doesn't intim- intimidate me today. Um, and that's all the grace of God in, in absence. Thanks so much. I pass. Thank you so much, Ron. All right. Ivana, Kay, your turn. Hi, this is Ilana Kay. I live in Israel. Um, ah, there's so, so many things running through my mind as I'm listening to these shares today and one is you know it's like I always kind of use the excuse I've never been enormously obese and I would say it's like easier for the people who who are enormously obese because you know like they came from such a place and they don't want to go back there but it's not true because I'm like hearing people say you know people are blind and and on dialysis and they still can't stop and I know people like that I know plenty of people like that and you know it's it's not about the weight um, that I have, you know, I, that dreadful day, gosh, I, I've been in and out of the food. I had six years of absence when I first came into the, into the program. And then I've been in and out of the food for the last nine years, nine years while in the program, while trying to get through the steps. And like, I have an amazing sponsor who has not given up on me. Um, and last week I kind of gave up on myself. I was like, I just, I can't do this anymore. Like I know everything in my head and I can't get it into my heart. I know I'm powerless. I don't think about like, oh, I could just have one and then stop. I know I want the whole box and then it will be filed by the whole gallon and then by the whole bag. And and I know that. I have no problem saying that, that I'm powerless, but um, and I believed only a power greater than myself could restore me to sanity. I think I... I wasn't sure he would, and I wasn't sure I wanted him to, um, because, you know, like, that means I really, you know, I had a, a good stretch, and then I had a, so 
something that happened where I didn't have control over my food for for an entire week. Um, that really was not in my control, and and I came out of that thinking I'll just be able to get you know right back on, even though I didn't eat any you know flour, or sugar, or any like of my personal binge foods during that that time. It wasn't whatever. I, I had a hard time getting back, and then in, since then I've been in and out again, in and out, and it's just insane. Um, and I had, you know, last week I kind of gave up and then I said, okay, I just, I can't do this. I give up on OA. I, I know what works, but I can't do it. And then I binged, of course. <laughs> and the binge was so horrific and I was so demoralized. I was like, I can't do this to myself forever. I don't want to be this person. I don't want to live like this. I can either, like, it, you know, it says in the big book earlier, like, the, the supreme sacrifice, I can kill myself or I can work this program. So I decided to work the program and I'm still like the Jewish New Year or the last uh, Sunday. I was spending the entire first day of, of the Jewish New Year, the holiest day of the year, you know, saying the prayers while thinking about food. And the urge was so strong. I, I knew I was at a losing battle, but I didn't want to go back there. I didn't want to go back to the food. I didn't want to go Nine. back to the person who I am in the food. Thank you. And I literally got down on my knees, told God, I can't do this. You have to. And I, I give. And I had an experience and the thoughts lifted and I've been abstinent. And I pray that I keep working this program one day at a time. I'm super grateful. Thank you. Thank you so much, Yvonne. Okay, Kelly G, your turn. Good morning, Kelly G. in Florida. Thank you so much for your service. Um, for me, when the frightful day came when I ate once more, it brings me back to the eighth grade pool party. Joined Weight Watchers, lost 80 pounds. My goal for this pool party in eighth grade was to be able to wear a two-piece bikini and blend in with the rest of the girls in my grade. And I did it. I got it. Yes, I got I got kicked out of Weight Watchers because I lost too much weight and also broke into the church where the scale was to weigh myself on a random Saturday. Um, but I, I got to where I wanted to be. And I'll never forget at that eighth grade pool party, binging my brains out in my two-piece bathing suit. I had made it. I got to my goal. And I couldn't hold on any longer. And I started eating all the snacks, all the pizza, all the food, and then I just took off and I ballooned up again. And I was back in my sweatpants and sweatshirt and no deodorant, no self-care, no nothing. Um, fast forward years later, I went to college and I'll never forget coming home and I was just so deep into the food. And I remember seeing my mom and my ankles were so swollen because when I was binging on such random things, my body was just out of whack. And my grandmother had diabetes and she passed away while getting her foot amputated um, in the hospital. And my doctor told me that I was on the cusp of diabetes. And I remember going to the doctor. The doctor's office, it was like a Sunday. The doctor's office wasn't open. I went to the pharmacist in town with my mom who knew us well. And she says, my daughter's ankles, why are they swollen? And I knew, I knew exactly why from everything I was putting into my body. And the pharmacist said, well, that's a sign, maybe diabetes or something. My mom couldn't believe it, but I knew exactly. And that didn't stop me. That couldn't stop me. I left school, medical, medical leave from college, went to treatment two months, 
And yes, treatment put the physical allergy down, but it didn't stop the mental because what stops the obsession for me, the only thing that can stop my mental obsession is God. I cannot control my thoughts. And I got out of treatment, was losing weight, wasn't where I needed to be, but treatment definitely catapulted me in the right direction. And then I said to myself, my mind told me it's inevitable. You're going to pick up again. You're going to pick up again. So two weeks later, I did. I did. And I remember calling my therapist in treatment. And when I was in the parking lot at Dunkin' Donuts with a car full, I could feed a whole camp with everything in my car. And she had me drive back to treatment. And there, you know, the asylum, I did. I I isolated there. I hunkered down. I followed my food plan, but it is the obsession of the mind that will take me out every single time. And only that can be relieved by a higher power. And um, that's all. Thanks so much. Thank you, Kelly. Okay. So we have time for a few more shares. Who would like to share? Please chime in. Diane C. Diane C. Fran. Barbara M. Fre- I'm sorry, Freya. Fran. Freya what? Fran, Freya? F-R-A-N. Oh, Fran. Okay. <laughs> and then I heard a Barbara. Barbara M. Barbara M. Um, let's see. Okay, let's go with that. Or did did I hear someone else that I missed? Was someone else that I missed? All right, let's go. Diane C., you're up. Great. Thank you. Thanks for your service this morning, Amy. And this is Diane C. from Maryland. And I am gratefully recovered today, one day at a time. Um, <clears throat> when I um, read the words that the curve of my declining moral and bodily health Initially, I think so much about my bodily health, and, and we've been talking a lot about that, um, how we've gained and lost and, and wh- what it has done to us, and th- that's what I've been thinking about. But then I was really thinking about the, my moral health and what moral means to me, and, and uh, moral to me, being um, a person of faith who has um, been committed to my faith for my entire life, that is very much tied to my spirituality. Um, and so in my, according to my spiritual and moral code, overeating, greedy, um, excess overeating is uh, the sin of gluttony, which is something, a sin is something in my moral and spiritual code that separates me from God. And in my conscious mind, that is the absolute last thing I want to do. I've been committed to my faith. As I said, I've spent a lot of time praying and connecting with God, reading and um, connecting with um, other people who share my faith and fellowship. But yet I continued to do something that separated me continually. It was a habitual behavior that continually separated me from God. It didn't make any sense. It doesn't make sense. It's illogical and it's insane. And I know now that this, this disease is cunning, baffling, and powerful, and it's bigger than me. But thankfully, thankfully, it's not bigger than God. Um, and so I would pray and confess, and I knew I was forgiven, but yet I just, I just never 
never got it. I knew that God loved me through it all, but that I was sacrificing the freedom and the abundance that he offers. And through the steps and this fellowship and you all on this line and through the big book and Bill W. and his legacy, I have a deeper connection to God in a whole new way. It is, um, I almost felt like I didn't really have that much more to learn about my faith. Of course, I knew I didn't know it all, but that I had at least was aware of it all. But I really didn't know that this program could connect me to God and to my lifelong faith that has only become deepened and, and more vibrant and more abundant. And I thank you all for that. And I thanks for the opportunity to share. Thank you so much, Diane. All right, Fran, you're up. Hi, this is Fran um, in New Jersey and now Massachusetts, too. Um, Amy, thanks so much. It's wonderful to hear you. I always get so much from you. And I'm also grateful that you experience the other side of this disease, which is anorexia. Um, I really identify with Bill. The fateful day arrived when, you know, once again he drank again. And for me, it was pretty easy to stop binging because I was so miserable being overweight. But I find it a lot harder to be at the other end where I have to gain weight. And um, I don't know, maybe it's just too many years of being middle, you know, older, middle-aged and still having this disease where, you know, it's a form of control um, because uh, I guess, you know, we don't have enough faith that things are going to work out. And I'm just so used to feeling safe and secure if I'm hungry. If I know my weight's going to be the same or maybe even a little lower that night, I just feel this sense of peace and calm. And meantime, my body's falling apart. And I'm sure it's a spiritual disease, except that I actually feel I have the illusion of being happy when I'm hungry. Um, I don't know. It's really, I, I love to diet. I love food plans. I could obsess about giving up foods every day of my life. It makes me feel virtuous and clean and in control to give up everything. Um, but it's eating food. It's eating this and that and more of that and being full that makes me feel absolutely like I can't bear that discomfort. I think there does have to be, I don't know, spiritual covers a lot of ground for me. I think fellowship really does help too. Uh, I think also what I love is that line in the big book where it talks about we need a solution that has meaning. I think it says something and meaning. I forget the other phrase. Value and meaning maybe. But even in all realms of therapy these days, they talk about values because it can't just be about being healthy. It also has to be about feeling, you know, loving kindness toward the world. And the older I get, the more I feel that. But I feel like Bill. I feel like I know all this in my head, but I wake up in the morning powerless to help. I would love to hear from any recovering anorexics. And thank you again, Amy, for all your service for the group and in the ways that you've always tried to help and support me. Thank you so much, Fran. Glad to be both of us on the bus together here, the recovery bus. Okay, Barbara M., you're up. Barbara, star one to unmute. Hi, sorry, this is Barbara M. from Pennsylvania. 
Um, newly recovering, newly recovering um, compulsive overeater. Uh, this first sentence, um, the frightful day came when I drank once more, really impacts me because I'm I'm in that state where I'm I'm nervous about relapsing and. I am working with a sponsor now and beginning uh, step one. And I am, you know, it's, it, I don't feel safe. I feel like I have to really be connected and involved to stay abstinent. And um, so I'm just very conscious. It's not an, an anxious feeling, but it's just, you know, I'm. I keep remembering to pray to God to ask for help and um, stay as involved as possible. And I'm very grateful for this meeting. I think the other sentence that gets to me is um, talking about his wife, where he says, "My weary and despairing wife." Um, that makes me think of my family and the amends that I have made and will continue to make. Um, for my behavior, my disease in in relationship to how I have mistreated them, um, just with all the um, coercive, um, you know, methods of uh, helping me get the food that I want. Um, it's a very shaming feeling, and. Um, so th- those are things that I'm working on today. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you so much, Barbara. Okay, we've got, it looks like about two minutes. Would someone like to take us out? Two minutes, share. Hi, it's Toby Kay. Go ahead, Toby. you got two minutes. So um, thank you so much for calling on me. And um, I do live in fear, constant fear of overeating. I know that I could uh, be abstinent if I don't go anywhere. So I isolate. Um, I know there was one party um, that I missed uh, in my brother's family. And um, because of that, nothing, I haven't been invited to anything. And I haven't seen anybody like in, uh, from my, brother's family like in three years you know babies have been born and and um i haven't been going anywhere so i i see this as an isolating disease i can keep myself together and abstinent if i don't do anything so i don't do anything so i know um i have to work on my fear uh a fear of today fear of overeating uh, fear of the holidays, like like somebody has mentioned, the Jewish holidays, which are coming up, more of them, and um, a fear of moving. Uh, my husband wants to move, and um, just general uh, fear and, and disconnect from God, and I feel I am connected to God because I pray, and I thank God for every little thing, and I and I feel I'm connected, but somehow like I was hearing that fear disconnects me from God because then I don't have the faith. And um, thank you so much for letting me share. I pass. Thank you so much, Toby. 
Okay. On that note, we are going to thank everyone. I'd like to thank everyone who has shared. Uh, Please join us for another second unrecorded awesome hour of study immediately following the closing and the newcomer greeter. The share ID for today, Wednesday, September 23rd, 2020, 7 a.m. Eastern Time Meeting is 15,418. That's 15418. We will now close with the reading from the big book of page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Leslie W., could you please read that for us? I will. Thanks so much, Amy. I'm Leslie W. Recovered today in Tennessee. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.